Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. But amen, this is our last session of... um the journey series, amen? Amen, and I think that today's, today's message, what God has for us is, is particularly important considering what it is that we're on when we think about going through a life journey, amen? Amen. It's so important for us to make sure that as we get on this journey that we're just not quite going by ourselves, right? So say it with me. Don't do life alone. Look, when we were kids, anybody remember being kids and um, just having a whole bunch of friends? Anybody remember having a whole bunch of friends when you were a kid? I didn't have a whole bunch of friends, but however, <laughs> I, do, I do faintly remember it being somewhat easy, I guess, to make friends. I mean, when we were, when we were, when we were little kids, I mean, our circle of friends oftentimes looked like this, right? Anybody could be in your circle of friends. If you're a little five-year-old, it's easy to make a friend. In order to get into your circle of friends when you were five years old, any, you, well, the price of admission could be a pencil, a pen, a marker, a crown, maybe a flower, or just a piece of candy. If you had all of that, you was my friend. Y'all remember that? Right, okay. And then as we got older, we learned that everyone that we thought was a friend and title actually wasn't a friend indeed. And then all of a sudden, our circle goes from this being this large to it starts to shrink in and gets a little taller. I mean, a little smaller. I was thinking about me. I'm sorry. I have tall envy sometimes. We... <laughs> And so then we have this small group of people that we're cool and we kick it with. And then we start learning about the different levels of relationship, amen? But by the time that we're adults, see, most of our circles are so extra small by that time. Loosely defined in who we trust, or maybe not even a circle at all. But in fact, sometimes it's a square. It's a square built up made up of walls from disappointments and failed relationships. Can anybody in here relate what I'm talking about? When you've dealt with so much, you no longer have a circle. It's so much easier to make a square and put a wall such that nobody gets in, but also nobody gets out. In any case, we still find ourselves, even as we grow older, still struggling with the definition of, of what a friend is and actually where to find one. And I mean, from, from kids to teens to adults, our understanding of what a friend is actually changes so many times. We have acquaintances, people we just kick it with, co-workers, people we just talk to, BFFs, besties, and, a hun and hundreds of friends on Facebook. But yet, only a couple of them that we actually really call if we were in a jam. Amen? 
Truth be told, it's frustrating at times and easy to give up on meaningful relationships. It's so much easier to come in here every single Sunday and not connect with anyone and just go home. Somehow convincing ourselves that it's better to be by ourselves and not bothered with anybody. But I want to encourage you this morning that God's word provides some insight on what healthy relationships actually look like and how they will assist us in this journey that we're on called life. So tell your neighbor again, say, neighbor, don't do life alone. Here's why, because in essence, we were made for relationships. I mean, God's church, the body of Christ, is made up of many redeemed, imperfect lives. Now, we know this to be true. Just like your body, every part, every life is connected such that no man is an island unto itself. No body part is, is just sitting there by itself, but it's connected to another part. In fact, the word of God says that every joint supplies. And after creating Adam, we see here that God said it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. Now, you might say, well, Adam wasn't alone. He had God. And that's very true. The word lets us know that God walked with him in the cool of the day. But what God actually meant, that it was not good for Adam to be alone and not have somebody that was just like him. So from this, we see that, that God creates Eve. He gives Adam, Eve, his wife, and now Adam has a companion, someone that's similar to him in likeness. Amen? And it's in those same, so we see, well, well first of all, we, so we see here that man was not just made for relationship with God, but also made for relationship with man. We were meant to have, relate to God and to man. And so the thing here is that after they after they sinned, those relationships were, in essence, broken. Adam blames God. Excuse me. Adam, Adam blames God and says, hey, you know what? I wouldn't have really done this, but this woman that you gave me, she the one that gave me this fruit to Eve. Eve sitting here was like, look, God, I, I ain't really doing it. It was that serpent that, that serpent tricked me. And so all of a sudden, and then now there's, there's a relationship that's broken. And we find ourselves still struggling in these same relationships today. Sin did that. It actually means to miss the mark and to cause separation. But the good news about this is that that's the same reason why God sent Jesus in the first place to pay the penalty of sin and restore these relationships with God and with man. Amen? So you might say, why in the world should I even care? Why in the world is this even important? That's because isolation is a trap. Isolation is a trap. Now, I know you might be saying, okay, Dwayne, that sounds all good and everything, but, but, but let's just start here for a second. Let's just be real. Can we be real this morning? Look, people get on my nerves. Amen? Anybody relate? Amen, amen. Put them hands in the air. Tell the truth. And you know people get on your nerves too. I don't care who it is. They getting on your nerves at one point in time. It could be a person at work, your family when you go home, your kids, your spouse. Don't look at them. Or that person who orders everything off the menu in the drive-thru. The person that, got, that has the whole basket full in the, in the express line and say 10 items? Yes. Yes. 
or even Popeye's because they ran out of chicken sandwiches. And I'm going to tell you, I still ain't got one of them chicken sandwiches. People just get on our nerves, and I'm telling you, I get it, right? I get it. And even Solomon spoke about isolation. But look, total isolation is not a place to set up shop. And it should be visited rarely. In fact, it's a very dangerous place to be. You see, it's in isolation that we find ourselves at our weakest and most vulnerable to the attacks of Satan. Proverbs 18.1 says that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Ever wondered how people slip back into the world? Bad thought patterns and old habits? Typically, the first thing that they do is disappear. Look around you. Who's disappeared? This is the reason why we have to hold on to one another. This is the reason why we have to stay connected, because that person that disappeared may be us. We might be the one that's going through something and might not want to tell anybody what we're actually going through. This is when the body of Christ has got to stay connected and look for one another. Look for that sister. Look for that brother that you just quite haven't seen in a while. That's why it's important to know people's names, to know their families, and to get involved in the lives of others, because if you find somebody who might might have disappeared, they might have slipped back into something ungodly or sinful. They might have slipped back. Tell your neighbor, hold on to me. Now tell your other neighbor that you really like, I got you. I'm just playing. Because look, we're all in this together. When you isolate yourself, there's no competition to your own thoughts and devices. There's no one there to contradict a negative thought, encourage you, and remind you that God loves you, or even put you back in an atmosphere of love, peace, and healing. But see, when you're by yourself, you are alone with your own thoughts. I mean, you, have you ever heard people say stuff like, man, I'm not going back to that church anymore because they don't even care about me. Nobody even knows that I'm gone. I, I'm, not, I'm not hurt or mad. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I just wish they would have called me, though. You know, I, I, I just wish they would have had this, or, 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 or I, w- I, w- I wish I they would have had that. You see, that place of solitary confinement cuts us off from friends and godly influences, where we're convinced that whatever distorted thoughts that we're having is actually truth. No matter what anybody says or does, mentally and spiritually, it's devastating to a person. And sometimes even until suicide. Never heard of anyone committing suicide with people around. Typically, that person has been by themselves. This is why Satan loves division. To isolate us so we destroy ourselves apart from God and his people. But not so in this place. I declare not so, people of God. Not so, Lifehouse. Not so, those that call themselves children of God. Because we will not allow ourselves to be a people that's divided. We will not allow ourselves to be people that's divided by race or by politics 
or by tradition or by socioeconomics. We will not allow ourselves to, to be separated from the thing that God called us that brings salvation and love to ourselves and to the world. We will not allow ourselves to separate ourselves, to become something that's unlike God. When the word of God tells us that God's word, God's love, he sent Christ into the world to redeem all of man, to redeem all people, and to bring everyone back to himself. This is not what it is that God wants when we find ourselves alone by ourselves. Our, God's goal is to bring us all together and to stay together. Amen? Amen, I know that's right. This is why we need Jesus Christ, because he is the author and finisher of our faith. Yes, he sticks closer than a brother, and he is the one that shows us how to navigate this journey called life, but also how to navigate our relationships. I mean, gosh, let's, even, even Jesus didn't do life alone. He had the disciples. Now, they might have got on his nerves every now and again, but they was with him, amen? amen? Tell your neighbor, don't do life alone. Yes, people may get on your last nerve. That last nerve in the back shriveled up. But don't isolate yourself, amen? Look, we all have to ask ourselves from time to time, what kind of relationships do we have and who are we doing life with today? What do the relationships that you have sow into you? But also, what, what, what do they bring out of us? Amen? What do they bring out, out of us? Who is it that we become when we're allowed around those that's closest to us? I heard people say, if you want to know who a person is, check their friends out. Amen? Because birds of a feather flock together. If you hang out with the chickens, you're going to cluck a little bit. <laughs> but if you hang out with the eagles, you're going to soar like the wind. Amen? Are we hanging with chickens or eagles today? If we allow ourselves to see our relationship through the lens of God's word and his Holy Spirit, then we'll see that every relationship has a purpose. And God uses them all, whether it's good or bad, to shape and mold us into the image of Christ. Now, see, through his word, we can discover the characteristics of relationships that we actually really need. So this morning, let's... Let's take a look at a few. The first one is encouragement. Encouragement is the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. Paul and Silas in Philippi in Acts 16 is a perfect example of this. Paul and Silas were in Philippi, and they were preaching the word of God. Paul had just got a vision to go there, and he gets there with Silas, and they're preaching and there's this woman that's following behind them that had a spirit of divination, that, that, that was a, a slave to a couple of masters, and they were using her as soothsayers. Now, while they were preaching the gospel, this woman followed behind them for a few days saying that, that these are servants of the Most High God. Now, though what she was saying is true, what, it was not coming from the purest source, amen? Amen? Yes, we, she, she was saying what was true, but it was not with the right intention. And that's what the enemy does. He tells us he'll, he'll take a truth and distort it such that what is true doesn't serve the right purpose. 
Even, uh, I believe Pastor John talked a few weeks ago about people have taken the word of God and have misused it and abused it in order to control people and manipulate people. That is what the enemy does. Did God say? So, so, so Paul finally got tired of it. He turned to the, he turned to the woman, but the scripture lesson, no, he turned to the spirit and he rebuked it. He rebuked it. Spirit left the woman and then the masters were mad. And then they went up to the magistrates and told them that, look, these two men are preaching things that it's unlawful for us to receive and even practice. And then we find ourselves in verse 22. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into the prison and ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison. Somebody say the inner prison. And fastened their feet in the stocks. And then about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Encouragement is something that we need at our lowest times. At our lowest times, think about this. Paul and Silas had just had the clothes ripped off of them. And Paul lets us know that the Romans just didn't beat the way the Hebrews would beat. The Hebrews would beat to a number, 39 stripes. But see, the Romans would beat without measure. They would beat until they was tired. They must have had my parents when I got whippings because my parents beat me until they was tired. That's the kind of whipping that Paul and Silas had got. And then they was put into the inner prison and with stocks on themselves. Now, now jailed and shackled, yet they found themselves in a place where they were encouraging each other and singing praises unto God. I'm going to tell y'all something. At our lowest times, we need a Paul and a Silas when life seems to get the best of us. We don't need somebody to sit there and let us wallow in sin, wallow in depression, or fuel our anger. Yeah, girl, go get them. You don't need that. And then leave. Rather, we need somebody to support us and to infuse some hope into our spirit. Amen? Not ignore our situation or just toss around a couple of scriptures. We don't need that. We need somebody that will help practically help us, spiritually help us walk out our faith when times get tough. Amen? You can put your hands together. Yes. I mean, yes, look, look, look. Yes, I know you lost your job. And yes, I know that Philippians 4.19 says that our God will supply all of, all of your need according to his riches and glory. But, 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 but let's work on your resume, okay? Let's, 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 let's get that. Let's, let's meet and talk about your resume. Yes, I know the doctor's report wasn't so great. And yes, I know that 1 Peter 2.24 tells us that God bore our sins in his body and that by the stripes of Christ we were not our word past tense. Healed. I get that. But let's see what treatment is available so we can fight this thing. Amen? It doesn't matter. Whatever the encouragement is, or true encouragement points us back to Christ, hope, and to faith. Amen? Amen. That's because God is bigger than our circumstances. God is bigger than our circumstances. He only needs an opportunity to prove it. 
Many of us don't like to go through things, but the whole purpose of being on the potter's wheel is that while life is, while life is spinning you, God is taking his hand and he's smoothing out the rough edges. He got to allow life to, to spin us sometimes. He got to allow life to spin us. <clears throat> sometimes. Why? Because you wouldn't know that God is a healer until you've been sick. You wouldn't know that God will forgive you when you've been at your lowest. You wouldn't know what it's like to be picked up. You don't know how far God got to reach way down until you've been down there. You don't know that God will protect you until you thought everybody would have left you. You don't know how good God of a friend God is until you've been friendless. Until you've been fatherless, until you've been motherless, when life starts to spin you, that is when God is at his greatest. It is when you are at your worst that God is at his greatest. You have gotten to the end of yourself and then to the beginning of faith. We just need somebody sometimes to remind us who we are and that God loves us. You know what? That you're a child of God. When you're up, that you're a child of God when you're down, when you're free, or even when you're shackled like Paul and Silas. Be bold enough to stand up in faith and say, you know what? I'm winning. I'm winning even when it looks like I'm losing. Oh, you don't believe me? Let's take David, for example. Oh, David was winning. He had won that fight long before he had even got in it because he knew who it was that was going to fight the battle. Goliath didn't stand a chance against David, or let's talk about Noah. Noah looked crazy building that ark. Foolish Noah, we ain't even seen rain, and you building some large cruise ship. What you gonna put in that? But won't nobody laughing when it started raining. They probably wanted to get in that boat. But scriptures tell us that God closed the door. Door so big, Moses, I mean, that Noah couldn't even close the door. Or ask Pharaoh. Ask Pharaoh when, when, when he went after Moses, when they were going through the Red Sea. Surely he thought, he thought that he had cornered Moses and that he would destroy all of the children of Israel. But yes, God let him get right in the middle of the Red Sea and then the waters closed in on him. I'm telling you that God has to allow life to spin us sometimes so he can prove himself to us. He is there and we need to remember to encourage one another when we find each other at our lowest points. Amen? When life hurts, lock up with another brother or sister. Hold on to each other. Yes, we may have to drop some tears. Yes, and if you with Carrie, you definitely going to cry a little bit. <laughs> but look, that's okay. If we're going to go through, we're going to go through this thing together. I love the stories about races where the racers have helped injured racers. Where they, where they go back, they, they go back to get the one who hurt himself and carry him across the finish line. That's what the body of Christ is about. That's real true encouragement. Even when it looks like you're injured, your race is not over. Tell your neighbor, the race ain't over. The race ain't over because you're still loved and victorious. Encouragement tells me that when my journey gets hard, God is still God. When we, we see here in Acts 26, 16, 26, 
The scripture says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were free and unfastened. Excuse me. So deliverance came to Paul and silence and even to those that were around them. The chains fell off of them, but not until they had encouraged one another in the Lord. Who needs encouragement in here today? I want to encourage you to give somebody some hope. Give somebody some support. Give somebody some confidence that they need to know that God's word is true and that his power is real and that they can trust God's character over their circumstance. Amen? Don't do life alone. Not at all. The second thing that we need is accountability. Now, accountability is to take responsibility for something within one's control or power. To give an account or report, explain or justify something. You see, accountability keeps us in bounds. It keeps order. Y'all ever played a game with somebody who didn't know or didn't play by the rules? Oh, my gosh, I'm a stickler for rules. Man, we're going to play this game by the rules. It's so frustrating when you try to play with somebody like that. I mean, I'm sorry, I had a moment. <clears throat> had a moment. All right, I love Monopoly. Anybody here like Monopoly? I like Monopoly. Okay, I'm the only one in here like Monopoly. All right. I've been playing by myself. But look, when you pass go, when you play in Monopoly, how much money you get? See, everybody know how to play Monopoly. I thought y'all said y'all didn't even know how to play. I can remember playing with some people that instead of getting $200, when they, when they go around go, when they pass go, they want $500. Why you want $500? The rules say $200. No, 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 no. Well, with the, the, the way we play. The way we play, we get $500 for passing go. Man, you making up the rules. You see, accountability is a lot like that. See, accountability keeps disorder out of the game and actually keeps things moving as expected. You see, accountability isn't meant to restrict. Rather, it's really meant to keep us free, safe, and really is for our benefit. So let me ask you a question. Who is that person in your life that can tell you that your stuff stinks? Who is that person? I mean, like, who can tell you the truth about yourself without fear that the truth will destroy the relationship? You see, Proverbs 27, 17 says that iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. We all need people that love us through honesty. Their ability to give an honest assessment helps us to keep up a standard of living that otherwise we couldn't do ourselves, especially when we get weak or drawn back into bad habits. But if we're honest with ourselves, we actually don't like to be penalized and don't like to, be, not, don't like to answer for our actions or our words or our thoughts, right? David Brin said, when it comes to privacy and account, accountability, People always demand the former for themselves and the latter for everyone else. Ain't that true? Amen. You see, we'd much rather keep our dirt covered <laughs> but have everyone else answer for theirs. Especially 
when we're impacted by what it is that they did. But see, we're living dangerously when no one can correct us or instruct us. Because a life of little to no accountability is a life of recklessness and chaos. Proverbs 1.7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Last week, Pastor John said that we typically do not have an information problem. I mean, we live in a generation that's more informed than any other generation throughout the history of time. The problem is, is that we have an issue with obedience. We know what we're supposed to do. We just don't like to do it. I mean, I know I won't go get a couple of amens on that. But look, I mean, you know what the speed limit is. Mm. But yet, but, but yet, though, all of us, then maybe, well, not, I'm going to say all of us, but many of us have gotten speeding tickets, right? And then one of the first questions they ask you when they walk up to your, to your door, did you know how fast you were going? And many times we know, we be like, I don't mean I know how fast I was going, but I definitely was going faster than what that sign says. You see, it's not an issue of information. It's not an issue of, of do we know what to do. It's an issue of us actually doing it because that involves surrender. It, it involves sub, submission. You know, and then, see, we've got to be careful because if we're not, what we'll do is we'll properly reject God's love and instruction to live our own lives as if we're God, which results in behaviors which are sinful and ultimately self-destructive then we'll say to ourselves, how in the world did we get here? And even worse, say, God, I wonder if you ever loved me. But he always did, because God loves all those that belong to him, and he disciplines all of those that belong to him. In fact, his discipline is his love. Amen? The scripture says in Proverbs 25, 28, that a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Look, though we may follow Christ, we still have to fight sin. Sinful desires and worldly influences that will pull us away from the things of God. But see, accountability develops self-control and helps us to build up those spiritual walls against the enemy. Else we're susceptible to every single attack. But see, our obedience to God, our obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit strengthens those defenses. Amen? And it keeps us out of a lifestyle that God pulled us out of. Why in the world go back? God would call that foolish. Proverbs 12, 15 says that the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Ever tried to help someone who really didn't want your help? I mean, they just really wanted someone to complain to. But they start off with, man, I need to talk. These people can be exhausting. Maybe you're that person. Maybe not. Ever been accused of taking sides when you merely pointed out the truth or a fact? You see, the, the, the truth is, is that a person who is acting like a fool or maybe may be a fool will ask for advice and then get mad at you for actually giving it to you and then not follow it anyway because they already had decided what they was going to do before they asked you. 
But see, wise people seek out counsel. They listen and are better for it. Even when correction is involved. You see, true accountability is welcomed when it is done in love. Proverbs 11:14 says that where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is what? Safety. So there's a blessing and accountability. Let me tell you a quick story. The summer prior to my junior year in high school, I had a brief stint as a car thief. I promise y'all, this is a true story. I would take my parents' car. <laughs> Somebody was like, okay, whoo, Jesus, thank you. <laughs> whoo, Pastor Wade sure did have a change. Yes, he had. <laughs> I would take my parents' car, and, and um, I, would, I would take it, and, and we're no real place to go, just joyriding, just, you know, and, and I wasn't even a smart thief. Like, I wouldn't take the car that they, they wasn't driving. Like, we had an extra car. Like, I wouldn't even take that one. I would take the one that they was driving. Whoo, gee, that's how the enemy gets you, right? You do something with steal a car with no place to go. See, oh my gosh. I would take my parents' car and I would mark the tires. I would take sticks and I would put the put sticks where the where the tires would go on all four sides. So I made sure I put the car exactly back where it was after I was finished driving. And then after I would drive, then I would make sure that I put gas back in the car. Because it was at a quarter tank. And if it got too much too much gas, they might be like, I got more gas. So I would drive everywhere until, the, to the, until that needle went back to where it was, right? I would, I, I, but, but, you know, I did this many times over that summer. But like every good thief, <laughs> I, I slipped quite a few times. I left the radio on the wrong station. I left the sunroof cracked a couple of times, and then it rained. <laughs> I had my stepmother like, yes, because I took her car. <laughs> she was like, yes, it was wet. <laughs> and when I was questioned about it, I would deny it. No, I didn't. Of course not. I would never do such a thing. Well, near the end of the summer, Near the end of the summer, I hit our gate and broke a pole. <laughs> it was at that time I was thinking, well, I had a good run at life. <laughs> this is it, Jesus. I'm toast when he finds out. Y'all, I tried to super glue a metal pole. I'm going to just tell y'all. But even when this happened, I still didn't come clean. I still did not come clean. I took my bike and I bent the, the frame of my bike up. And I took the rims of, of the bike tires and I bent them up and I kicked it till I couldn't ride it anymore. And I left the bike in a place where my parents could see it. So when they walked, when they would walk in, they would say, oh, my gosh, what happened to Dwayne? And then I could come in and tell them this story about what happened to me. And I was, I don't know how it broke. I'm okay. I did all of that. <clears throat> so, look, when I get home, when I get home that night, um, my dad asked me, did I take the car? And, of course, I, I say, no, I didn't take the car. 
But then I'll point to my bike like, yeah, but see, so let me tell you what happened with um, my bike, see. And my dad said, boy, ooh. Two things my dad would say when I knew I was in trouble. Dwayne Michael Goodrich, whenever he said my whole government name, government name, I was in trouble. Or boy. <laughs> I didn't want to hear either one of those. But he says, boy, this pole is older than you are. And it's, it's in concrete. If you would have hit this pole with your bike, you would be half dead. <laughs> and you don't have no scratches on you at all. See, I hadn't thought that part too. <laughs> and so then my dad took, <laughs> I still didn't come clean. I still didn't come clean because it was a little hope that this lie would hold up. So then we go outside, and he went out there in the dark with a flashlight, and I knew, boy, I was toast. I was like, man, I hope he don't find this scratch. But he found it. And when he found it, I finally told the truth. You see, what happened was is that he, he had found out earlier in the day, and he had already knew the answer to those questions he asked me even before he answered it. Isn't that funny how God will allow that to happen to us? I've asked my kids hundreds of questions that I already knew the answer to before I asked it because I just wanted to see where they were. Because the word of God says it's not the things that go into a man that defiles him. It's the things that come out of a man. So the things that are coming out of us really is an indicator of what is on the inside of us. Amen. God isn't so much concerned all the time with what we do as much as he is concerned with who it is that we are. If he has our heart, then he has our actions by default. You can do all of the right things with the wrong purpose and still miss God. Amen. God is so much concerned about who we are more so than just what we're doing. Amen. So I finally told the truth. So what happened was that dad had went to reach into the mailbox and get the mail, but he leaned on the, on the fence that I had propped back up. He leaned on that fence, and I'm going to tell you something. A 48-year-old man going down in the dark on a fence is not a pretty sight to see. Oh, he got up. I'm pretty sure he was mad. He was mad as a whole bunch of things that he, had, he would say at times. So the next day, let me tell you what he did. <clears throat> and there's a reason why I'm telling this this way. The next day that my father took me to the Hampton City Jail. Yes. Took me to the Hampton City Jail, parked in the parking lot, and told me to not go anywhere. You better not move. I'm in the car bawling. I can't believe this. I'm about to go to jail. I can't be in there with Tyrone and Bubba. I'm five foot nothing. I'm going to have a hard time in jail. Look at me. I can't. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm, oh, Lord Jesus, please, please, please. I'm praying. Oh, I'm, I'm praying heaven down right now. Please, I need some mercy, God. If you ever love me, please don't let me go to jail. Anybody ever called on God like that? Or you call on God when you're really desperate. If you, you find yourself with, when you feel like you got, when you closed in, he said, don't you go nowhere. And then he finally came out. 
Now, the only way he was hoping to do was get me to spend the night in jail. Now, the only reason why he was unsuccessful was because he would have had to press charges. But let me tell you something. You know what? I'm so glad that I had a father who loved me enough to take me to jail. See, accountability, when done right, is welcomed. When it's done in love, it's welcomed. You know, I haven't, <clears throat> I haven't stolen anyone else's car, so it worked. <laughs> but who knows what else I would have stole, stolen if he didn't. That accountability probably saved my life. And we all need someone to sharpen us and keep us accountable. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, don't do life alone. Come on up, man. Look, the last thing that our relationships need to have is love. Proverbs 17, 7 says that a friend, a true friend, loves at all times. All of us desire to be loved. Despite our, in, our indiscretions, we scour the earth, hoping to be open and transparent with someone but we oftentimes cover up and <clears throat> wonder, we ask ourselves, would anybody love me if they really knew who I was? Well, the truth is, I don't know. They might, they might not. But God always loves. In fact, he always did and does even now. No maybes. No doubt, no question. We can ask the thief on the cross. <clears throat> Luke 23, verse 32, starts off with <clears throat> two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they, there they, cru they were crucified, they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him. Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, Verse 39, and we indeed justly, but we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Don't we just want God to remember us? just to consider us 
And Jesus responded. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. John 15, 13 says that greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. You know, we're always looking for who it is that we should do life with. Well, today, Jesus responds to us. Don't do life alone isn't just a really cool quote that Pastor John and Lifehouse came up with. I also believe it's something that Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us, don't do life alone. Do life with me. Amen? Do life with me. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last breath. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. This was one of the most terrible times in history. There was so much sadness for all of those that called themselves Christ followers. And you might be in a place today where you feel like you are experiencing so much pain. You may feel like you're at rock bottom. You might feel like you're alone. You might feel like no one cares. But I want to encourage you today that your story isn't quite over. And neither was this story. Because we see the next chapter in Luke chapter 24 verse 6. When the women came with spices to anoint Christ's body, they were met with two angels. And they told the women, he is not here. He is risen. He is not here. He is risen. You see, today you and I are like one of those thieves that were crucified with Christ. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of those sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Are you like the thief that mocked Jesus? Jesus, save yourself and save me. If in fact you are the Christ. You see, that thief did not understand what it was that Jesus actually was doing. If Jesus had got down off of that crowd, cross, the thief would have no sacrifice for his sins. Jesus actually saving himself 
would have done the opposite of what the thief asked. So he rejected Christ in a moment that could have changed his life for all eternity. He lost his life, his physical life that day. But spiritually, he lost his life for eternity. Or are you like the one that was of a repentant heart? Who called Christ Lord and asked Jesus to remember him? You see, this thief recognized who Jesus was and honored him. The word of God says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This thief, even hanging on the cross, recognized who Christ was. That day, that thief lost his physical life. But he gained eternal life. And today, Jesus is calling you. He knows exactly who it is that you are. And he knows exactly what it is that you've done. Behind all of the hiding, behind all of the t-shirts, behind all of the the facade, behind the makeup, behind the achievements, behind the curtains of life that we put up to to shy away and to hide ourselves from who we want people to know who we really are. God sees all of that, and yet in the midst of all of that, he still says that I love you. Real relationship is found first in Christ Jesus. We can find encouragement in Christ Jesus because he supports us, because he loves us, because he cares. We find accountability in Christ. He gives us his Holy Spirit, his life-changing spirit to help us to be like him. And there's nothing else greater than the love it is that he has given us and that he has laid down his life for you and that he has laid down his life for me. If you ever wonder if God loves you, it's not because you got a good job. It's not because you got a car or a place to live. It is because of the cross that you can know that Jesus loves you. And when the enemy tells you that no one loves you, you can point to the cross. And when somebody tells you that there's no hope, you can point to the tomb. There's hope in the cross. There's love in the cross. There's hope in the tomb. And because of that, we can have a fresh start. So make the decision today. Tell Christ yes. Jesus says you don't have to live life alone. You can live life with me. Choose life today. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News Podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.